Hi everybody, we are at the Critter Barn with Mary Rothschild and we are going to hear some interesting things about how we can be awakened to peace with the use of sheep. Go get them, Mary. Yeah, Listen, thank you. Let's walk. So we were talking about the Christmas theme and the story about Mary and Joseph and about sheep and I've got a buddy here, he's born a few years ago, but uh, I got some pretty sweet memories of this lamb. His name is uh, Louis, and when he was born, he had a mother that took care of him and his twin sister. And uh, it's fascinating when they're first born. I don't know if you've ever been in a barn when sheep are born, but the mother stands up after the lambs are born and waits patiently while they learn to find her milk. It's so important that those lambs get that mother used milk because that's what keeps them alive. That warm milk gives them the calories they need. And they're often born when it's chilly cold outside, so they need that warm milk to survive. And she'll stand there until she's almost exhausted. And then she'll finally lay down. The lambs have got their tummies full of milk and everybody takes a rest. The next time that the ewe is fed or she stands up, the lambs come up to nurse, everything keeps going until about the fourth or fifth day. And when we go in to feed the mother ewe, which is the, the mother sheep, and we give her her hay and her grain on about day four or five, and the little lambs see mother stand up, they run up to nurse and she stamps her feet in the straw. And they go, whoa, whoa, mother's never done that before. And they learn to wait and she eats and they all watch. In fact, after a few days, and the sheep are put into a group pen, all the lambs have been so trained, and they learn to wait to eat while their mother eats first. Interesting. And as she finishes her food, a ewe will turn around and she'll bay at the lamb. She'll make this little noise, like bah. It's very short, but it's kind of like the signal. Come and get it and the lambs run up to eat. And this goes on and they get into a bigger pen with more sheep and more lambs. And all the lambs actually use mother's eating time now to run around the pen and actually have a good fun time because they know the mothers are all around the feeder. They've got the whole rest of the room to run around. Take that into the pasture and it's amazing to watch. They're all mixed in with each other, but when that you makes that one little noise with her voice, that little ma, wherever they are, the lambs stop and they run right over to mom. That warm milk is important, but also being next to their mom, being nurtured, she licks them, she watches over them. It makes them feel safe. It makes them feel really safe. And when I look at all the sheep in the setting around Mary and Joseph, and I think about the unusual request that God brought to Mary and Joseph through the presence of an angel, an angel that appeared right to them and said, you need to take your whole life and dedicate it to raising this little child, this little Jesus. I think about those lambs and how they listen to their mother and come running. And I think about how Mary and Joseph listened to that angel and to the will of God and in their obedience, and in their obedience, their absolute yes to God, they felt safe, they felt okay with their decision, they felt a tremendous 
deep peace. Not unlike the peace that you see when the little lamb lays next to its mother. So when we think about that decision that they made, that obedience to God, maybe that's a way that we can also learn to find peace in our lives. Can we just give a, give a, give a good clap together? Hooray for Mary and the Critter Barn. And that's just good stuff. For what it's worth, if you're in West Michigan, the Critter Barn's moving. It's moving even a little bit closer to our location. And we love connecting with them in the variety of things that they do there. Uh, and as a small aside, uh, uh, Kinsler and the Goat, there may be an outtake video on that at some point in time. That was just off the charts, spectacular. Uh, the goat uh, seeing if he could dissuade Kinsler from actually lighting that candle, but Kinsler got it lit, I tell you what. All right. Uh, so we get to hear about peace today, and you get to walk out with peace. And the thing is, it's not necessarily anything that we're going to do because God's Spirit desires to give it, for you to have it, for you to bring it, for you to share it, there's a heavenly host of angels that declared in that first Christmas story setting and for us today, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. You are intended to have peace. Here's what's some, really interesting. If we think the Christmas season in and of itself is going to bring peace, hmm, maybe, maybe not. The Holy Spirit's going to bring it, and the Holy Spirit can use the atmosphere and the settings and the thing around Christmas to bring it. The Holy Spirit can use this season for you to have peace, but at the same time, the enemy, our adversary, the devil, is trying to steal peace, kill it, destroy it, and can likewise use the season of Christmas to do just that. The atmospheric conditions are just right for the Holy Spirit to be at work in you that way. And the atmospheric conditions are just right for the enemy to get a hold of things that God so desperately wants you to have. Here's what Philippians says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And peace will guard your hearts and your minds. I would just pause for a second. You need your heart guarded. I need my heart guarded. Our minds guarded by peace. Uh, can we take an inventory? Can, can we do this? Can we take a, are you worried? Are you anxious? Are you stressed in any way? And, and here's some things that indicate that we might be. I, I looked a variety of, of Harvard research and different, different tests up, and here is the common top four. There's something happens with our skin. Just something doesn't go right with, with skin issues, or we get tummy issues, we get digestive issues, we can't sleep, uh, or we sleep too much. Uh, what is one of the other ones here? Oh, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, lower immunity that we just, we just like, get sick. And so emotionally, spiritually, when things are not going well in our midst, it eventually comes out physically. So I'm going to ask you five, in five zones, for this self, 
test this inventory. And if you feel, I feel pretty good about that. Here's, here's the sign for peace. You take your hands like this and you kind of go, can you do this together? We're going to do this together. Like, whoop, and then out like that. Just, ah, that's peace right there. We'll just do it a few times. Peace, baby. Now, California cool's like this. We're not doing California cool peace. We're just going to go, that's the sign for peace. If you're feeling stressed, about it. We're going we're gonna to use pressure for this. So you're feeling some emotional pressure. You're feeling, and it's, you take your dominant hand over your less dominant hand, and you push down twice. I am, I am really feeling the pressure. I, I am stressed out. We're going to go through five dynamics, and we're actually going to spell out peace. We're going to revisit these. But here's the first. Uh, the P is for politics. Are you feeling, ah, no worries there. Just peace right there. You're feeling, I feel pretty stressed about that right now. So be, there's only one or the other. There's not a neutral button on this one. Just pick one side or the other. The, uh, the E that we have is, uh, we got two E's. So okay, this one is expenses. There are expenses at Christmas time. And by the way, these all pop up in the Christmas story as well. Are you feeling stressed about your expenses? Go, hey, I got some peace about expenses. Is it peace or, exp or, or stress? The, the A is adventure. There is some kind of transition. There's some kind of trip. There's some kind of travel. But I've got a friend who calls it an adventure. I'm going on an adventure. So do you feel stressed, pressured about this? Or do you feel at peace? Give a signal for that. The C is caregiving. There is a child in the middle of the Christ story, in the Christmas story. So if you're caregiving at any level, is that something you feel stressed about, or is it something that you have peace about? We've got one final E, extra guests. It seems that extra guests seem to show up at the Christmas season. Do those extra guests wig you out? Are you stressed about them, or do you have peace about extra guests in your life and in your midst? good job taking the inventory. So we had two signals. We had, we had peace and we had stress. We didn't have elbow your neighbor like this one's for you, but that's okay. Some of you use that as, as well. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. It is on the heels of them partaking of the Lord's Supper, which we're going to partake of Holy Communion as we wrap up our teaching. So in the room, you've got what you need. If you're not in this room, I encourage you to find some type of bread and some type of drink to prepare for the communion that we'll experience together. So Jesus has this moment. He washes the disciples' feet. He shares with them the Lord's Supper, and he is going to go on trial. He's going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, but in the in-between time, he has a moment where he can speak some things into the lives of his disciples, and this is what he speaks into them. He says, now, I'm going away, but the Father is going to send to you the very Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to teach you all things and is going to remind you of things that I have already taught you. I really think some of the measure of what we're doing today, you're going to be reminded of things that you know that Jesus has already taught and that you're, you're well aware of. I also believe that there's going to be a measure of there might be some new things that God's Spirit has for you as we dive into the Word today. And what God's Spirit does is this. One of the natural fruits of the Spirit of God is peace, which means this is a direct result of being tied in to the Spirit of God, God wants for you to have peace. 
spiritual armor is described as things that we put on. One of those pieces is that we put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Thus, we are intended to put it on, have it, and bring it into atmospheres where we go. And then Jesus is saying to them, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. So I don't give peace as the world gives peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. So as we walk into the study portion of what we're doing today, we're really studying Luke 1, Luke 2, looking at the lives specifically of Mary and Joseph, but, but really all the cast of characters are, that are in that Christmas story. And when we do Bible study, if you see an element that repeats, we're doing a re, what, what, what repeats? There are two things that repeat again and again and again in Luke 1 and Luke 2. I, I'll tell you what it is. It's singing and it's serving. They are, it's like it's a musical. They are constantly breaking forth into song. More so than any other portions of scriptures. People just go, ooh, we're gonna sing. You know, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a musical broke out and they're constantly serving dynamics as well. So I'll walk through that. You're not gonna see all the scriptures pop up. I'm just gonna tell some of them, uh, tell a lot of them and you're gonna see some of them pop up. Well, the angels sing a song. An individual named Zechariah sings a song. This is the father of John the Baptist. His wife is Elizabeth. Mary sings a song. So there's three repetitive songs. We'll get into that. There's this serving dynamic that, well, when Zechariah is encountered by the angel Gabriel, he's serving his priestly role at the temple, and he's told that you're going to have a son. And Elizabeth and her, your, your advanced years, you're going to have a son. He winds up doubting, and in his doubt, the angel says, well, why don't you just stay quiet there, boy? We don't need, we need to hear from you for a while. Don't need to hear none of that kind of stuff. And uh, he doesn't talk again for nine months until John the Baptist winds up being born. Now, Mary, as she has this angelic visit, she is spoken of as one who is highly favored. Joseph is spoken of as a righteous individual who is a carpenter. And when you begin to put those things together, we begin to understand that, that on a daily basis, righteous, highly favored people just do the kind of things that God would so desire and ask them to do. They're not running away from issues and aspects of obedience. We encounter the shepherds. What are they doing? They're shepherding. They are serving. They are doing their stuff that God continues to encounter people just in the everyday serving roles that they are in. Now, John the Baptist uh, has his moment where he arrives and Elizabeth gives birth to him. And for what it's worth, Mary herself, as soon as she hears from the angel that she is going to be with child, in her servant mindset, she goes and visits Elizabeth. So for month six through nine of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Mary's there reaching stuff Elizabeth can't reach. She's, Elizabeth's getting all hot. She's, well, here, let me, let me fan you down, you know, whatever it is. She's midwife and she's assisting. She is doing all these remarkable things. When she walked onto the scene, there, the the baby just leaped within Elizabeth, and she was so struck by that fact. She says that my son, who is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, senses the presence of the Messiah and is overjoyed upon his arrival. And now the songs start kicking in. John the Baptist is born, and they're asking 
Elizabeth says, his name's to be John. Well, there's no one in your family named John. So, well, what does the dad say? He writes down his name should be John, and now he has his voice, and he breaks forth in song. And he ends his song with this. This is to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, to shine on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Here's a question. Do you have a song in your heart that gives God glory? I mean your default mode when the storms of life hit, when the, when the stuff hits that would steal away your peace. Do you have a song in your heart that says God is all that? I bet you have a song in your heart. Everybody's got a song in their heart. But, but sometimes that song in our heart, that default mode, is something like, take this job and shove it. You know, that's what you sing on the way to work. Or, I want to be a billionaire. Or, um, uh, somebody better put a ring on it. There, there's just some kind of song that goes through your spirit. It's like, those are okay songs. But if that's the song you sing, you know, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Each time I look in the mirror, I get better looking each day. You know, if that's your song... That's an old hee-haw song. It's probably not your song, unless you're of age, of, of some kind of age. And it's like, there's a better song that is going to magnify God. Mary sings this song on the heels of this encounter with Elizabeth. In fact, we call it the Magnificat. The Magnificat Anima Mia Dominion. My soul magnifies the Lord. You know what magnify means. I look real close at it. I get a close-up look, and I begin to understand who God is. This is the kind of stuff that should be pouring out of the depths of who we are. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to give it to you in its entirety. My soul magnifies and glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant from now, and all generations are going to call me blessed, she says. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She's looking at God and understanding God's holiness and beauty. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. There's a very revolutionary kind of bold boldness that Mary has in, in her song. He's filled the hungry with good things, and he's sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants, just as he promised our ancestors. Here are the symbols of peace. Singing God's glory and serving every day. These are repeated themes in Luke. And here's the thing. They're so stinking simple on the surface. The word of God and the ways of God are not intended to be elusive. They're intended for us to understand and participate. And so to have a song in our heart that glorifies God despite the storms of life or no matter what, it's our default song. That's a beautiful thing that everybody can do. To go about and just simply do the things that God's called us to do and have a serve first mentality, that's something that everybody can do. And by the way, 
when we talk about serving, you're a big deal. You're, 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 you're big time stuff. It, it doesn't mean, and we've said this before, that it means when you take on the role of a servant that you think less of yourself. No, you're a really big deal. You just don't think about yourself so often. You just know the rule doesn't revolve around you, but you are such a big deal. You are royalty. You're a child of the king. God has gifted you. You are mighty. You are magnificent. And so it's okay if you serve. Well, our family took a trip over Thanksgiving. I say our family. It was my wife, Terry, and I went to visit our daughter, Cindy, and her husband, Travis, out in California, the northern regions of California. And we had this great, great, great time. And we went on hikes and all kinds of good things. Now we're traveling back. And uh, so here's a picture of us out on a hike. And there's just the beauty and the joy, I should say, of us. It's of Terry. And we found really big pine cones out in California. And this, woohoo, hooray, hooray, life is good, life is grand. We've all experienced that. But start flying home in the middle of the night, and it's 3.30 in the morning, and you find yourself in a Minneapolis airport, and that girl turns into this girl right here. That's, that's Terry underneath all of that stuff, and I happen to be the creepy guy taking pictures of her off to the side while this is happening. So while she's resting in the middle of an airport in the Midwest, honestly, the, and, I, and I'd studied this passage, the, the outline and the flow of what we're going to share and experience was actually kind of the Lord was giving it to me in this specific order at the time. And what hit me was, we all get weary. We all, you, you and I, we are all going to get weary. It's okay. So when we talk about having peace, it doesn't mean that you never grow weary because there will be those moments. But will we be recharged and re-energized to move into the next day and in the next moment Will the Holy Spirit instill peace within us in our weariness, or will the enemy steal it and take it from us? If, if we may, um, can we just talk for a little bit? I, we're going to walk through the dynamics of peace one more time, but I don't want to preach, if that's okay. I just want to talk. Uh, You're supposed to walk out having peace. God loves you so much. It's okay if God is victorious in your life. You can win here. You're supposed to. But don't feel pressured with that. God's going to do what only God can do. But the enemy is so at play at this time and really at all times. And Let's just walk through some of the biblical observations and we'll kind of find some of that timeless truth and make a connection to our setting. But Caesar Augustus issues a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this census took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. There's politics in the Christmas story. But it's interesting the place that politics has in the Christmas story. It's kind of like a pawn. It's not the main piece. It's just something that's going on. Politics will always go on. 
Caesar Augustus, really big deal. But in the grand scheme of things, for your life and mine, and really everybody who's lived on planet Earth, Caesar Augustus, just something we kind of note and read about and really is the pawn in the story because 500 some years ago, the prophet Micah said, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come the Messiah. And Jesus needed to get to Bethlehem and Caesar Augustus helped that happen. Um, as we spell out peace, and it, the P is politics, and it was right there in the front of the Christmas story. Know that we can do one of two things with any of these. We can make idols out of them, make too big a deal out of them, or we can just say they're all a bunch of idiots and discount them. And neither is the case. Because we can wind up making an idol out of our, the expenses that we have or the caregiving situation. We can make that out of the adventures that we have and it's all about that or extra. We, we can throw ourselves into any of these and make them way more important than they are. Or we can be incredibly dismissive and run away from them. We're intended to live in the tension point of knowing that the kingdom of God is always ruling and reigning and we get to bring peace into these settings and situations. And if I may, when it comes to expenses, wow. Here, here's, here's where we do this thing that someone in the shepherding role that I'm in will wind up saying, trust God, God's got you, have peace for those finances. And that's a good thing, and it's a true thing to say. But if we really love one another and if we're really honest, God does outline a way that expenses work. And this isn't that message, but as Mary at the Critter Barn talked about, there's a time that, you know, Mother Sheep, you know, kind of stamps her foot and says, not now, but now there's a certain way that we're going to go about you being nourished. There is a certain way that God blesses finances, and it's, it's as simple as we give to God first, and we give to God a tenth. And, and, and we give it in a way, in a setting, whether it's a local church setting or some other setting, that the finances go out of our hands, but they go into a way that we know that gospel is being shared and that, that God can use that for God's glory. And we get to say, God, you're number one there. And God says, I'm going to throw open floodgates for you. And I say that to you now because I want you to have floodgates. However you determine your tenth and however you determine where that goes, I'm going to let that be between you and God. But, but we get really wigged out because um, this is an expensive time of year. And, and finances can be this thing that we, ah, that can just steal our peace. We can make idols out of it or we don't do anything with it at all. And I want you to have such peace there. Um, adventures. Adventures, adventures, adventures. Well, I've been in several nativity scenes and sets, and eventually there's some crazy creative arts director who says, let's get a donkey. How about camels? Let's have live sheep. And for what it's worth, if you've ever been Joseph and they strap you with a donkey to walk in with, yeah, bad idea. I think you need to talk to your agent about that. And, uh, but the donkeys always act like donkeys. Mary and Joseph had a 90-mile trek with a donkey. Okay, that's how they got from point A to point B in the Christmas story. I don't know what donkey you're saddled with right now uh, for some kind of trip, some kind of adventure, but I bet you're saddled with some kind of donkey that's going some other direction and you don't want it to go there. Uh, I, I, you're going to get someplace and the inn is going to be full. You're going to go, sorry, not enough for you here. You're going to have to go over there. But through all of that, God's got 
whatever you need for every moment in every situation. You, you can trust God in your adventures of life. Caregiving. There's a real baby in the middle of the Christmas story. So, there's diapers, there's making boom boom and stinky stink, and there's food to be had and all those kind. Whatever hassles there are with that, they had those real hassles. You're not going to raise your hand in this moment, but uh, um, whether it's a child that you're giving care to, maybe it's an older person who's gone to a childlike place physically or mentally you're giving care to. Um, maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's cancer. There's, wow. Caregiving just never goes out of style. It is always something that winds up being central in the story of God. And I believe that God has given you what you need in the moment and for those special moments in time too. Well, our, our final E is in the Christmas story, shepherds show up. Mary and Joseph didn't know shepherds were going to show up, but they showed up. So extra guests. Uh, I don't know if you typically have extra guests. In my situation, I never know when my in-laws are going to show up. I love them, but they could show up at a dime. They could leave at a dime, and they'll probably show up about mealtime as far as that goes. They've got a gift that way. Uh, now, they might be watching online, so don't you dare uh, tell my mother-in-law uh, to tune in. I'm going to roll the dice right now. We'll see how this goes. Uh, I'm hoping, don't tune in, Donna. Don't tune in, Donna. But uh, we do laugh about this. All right. Who is it that you go, oh, they're here. It's going to happen. There's going to be somebody that comes your way, and you're going to be a little surprised at what— you can make an idol out of it. You can make it all about all the people, or you can kind of disregard it. I, I, here's what I think. I think in regards to people, God loves people. We're supposed to walk towards people. And this seems like a time that we're being very separated from one another. I want to encourage you to walk towards the people that God is putting you in your pathway. Something really odds you know, just happened in the front of our facility on Lake Michigan Drive in, the la in this week, I just within a couple of days, we've had horrific auto accidents like I don't recall ever having happened out here, like multiple vehicles. There's one that happened in the middle of the daytime, and I didn't hear it, I didn't see it, but people had kind of noticed, and I walked outside and started walking towards it. And I noticed for one of the cars, one of the, it was a dark vehicle that was pushed up on our side of Lake Michigan Drive. I thought, oh, there's somebody in there. There's nobody really standing there, but there's somebody. I wonder, oh, somebody, somebody should go check on them. You ever, you ever do that? Somebody should go, oh, I think that's me. So I walked a little more quickly and got there, and, and this young gal had some cuts, and there was some glass all around, and just was asking, hey, your legs are working. There was no getting out of the door where she was at. Called 911, and the people came, and, and just continued to converse with her until the folks showed up, and I was pretty sure, like, her, her legs looked good and all that. There, there, was, there, was, there was hopeful indications in the midst of this horrific accident. So I prayed over, and when I finished praying, she just looks up at me, and she goes, hey, you're Wesley's dad, aren't you? And I go, yeah, I'm, I'm Wesley's dad. 
uh, I just know there's going to be moments that we're all called to walk into that you're going to be blessed. You're going to be given what you need right in that moment. Worry, anxiety, and stress come at us pretty hard all the time, but especially at this time. But God says, peace. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry of its own. And there's this example of birds and flowers that your heavenly father feeds the birds and clothes the flowers and they're very beautiful and they're well fed. How much more important are you today? And I want to tell you, God loves you so much. You are a really, really, really big deal. And for you to walk out with incredible confidence knowing that the creator of the universe would send his son to save you and rescue you and the story doesn't end there but the spirit of God is to instill in you such beautiful attributes and one of those is that you would have hope that you have it and you bring it you're so stinking full of it it's just natural let's go to this table it's central to the story of God Jesus is with his disciples and there is bread that he takes and he breaks and he says here is my body which is broken for you so when you eat it remember me likewise at the meal he took the cup and he said here is my blood it is poured out for the forgiveness of sins so when you drink of this Remember me. For many, we get to be reminded all over again that we're children of God and that God loves us and has made the ultimate sacrifice and it's so powerful that God defeats death. But I believe that there's some here today that you want to say, God, forgive me, and I want to follow you. I want to be your child. I want to be part of your family. I want to be a saved person. I want the Spirit of God not to be out there, but I want the Spirit of God to come into the center of who I am. Just take this moment and embrace God. Don't miss it. This is for you. Would you stand at this time, and we're going to pray over what is in your hands and what is in your heart. And just a little indication as you're getting ready to open that, there are two tabs. One gets you to the wafer, one gets you to the juice. Lord God Almighty, we thank you that you are in our midst, that you are the God of hope and peace and joy and love. Lord, for those right now who are saying yes to you, forgive me, I want to follow you. We are ecstatic. We are thrilled. And we rejoice. And Lord, we ask that you would take these elements, the bread and the cup, that you would consecrate them. Give us the spiritual benefits of Christ in us, the hope of glory. In your name, amen. Friends, what you hold in your hand, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, would you take and eat and drink, feed on him in your heart with faith and with thanksgiving.